Footy Feast podcast with Pete, Craig and Rick. Welcome back to the Footy Feast podcast, the place to tune into if you're hungry for more footy content. Well, that's it, boys. This season is officially over with the grand final on the weekend. Swans going down by 81 points. We're all there at Rick's house watching it on the weekend. What's the... Uh, What's the, what was the go with the grand final this week, boys? Why was it so bad? Um, yeah, it was a bloodbath. The bloods were the blood in the bath. Geelong annihilated them. Shocking. Lost interest in five minutes into the second quarter when I knew that Sydney wasn't going to come back. They were horrible. They were worse than the Stinky Saints. They probably could have done better in the grand final. That would sum up the grand final experience for me. It was pretty crap, so crap that I missed the third quarter driving from one grand final function to another grand final function, and I felt like I didn't really miss anything. Sydney was still losing by a lot when I got there, and they lost by a lot when I left. Um, yeah, that sums it up. It was a pretty shit grand final. Especially after the final series that we had leading up to it. Uh, very disappointing, but uh, as Craig said the other week, it would have been a much better final to watch Geelong and Collingwood, I think, because it would have been a better fight. I agree. Um, I, I brought it up last week. One thing that's good about Collingwood is if they're winning or losing, they are willing to play dangerous football. They'll do dangerous and risky kicks to um, put aggression on the board to actually kick goals. And I spoke about it last week. Sydney tried to park the bus against them and almost lost. Sydney parked the bus at the start of this game and it just didn't work from the onslaught of Geelong. They well, the, they just got annihilated. Yeah, the game was over by the middle of the first quarter in my books. It was just they couldn't even get a forward entry. Like it was it was just shocking. Um before we move on, while we're still on the top of the grand final, Isaac Smith winning the Norm Smith oldest player to win it. Uh did he deserve it? Uh, he did deserve it. He was definitely the best player on the ground. Um there were some other notable ones in in Selwood and Danger and Hawkins and Stengel, and you probably could have blanket over half a dozen, but Smith's three goals and most touches on the ground. Um, when you let him run around all day and do whatever he wants, that's that's what you get. So um, next year, if Geelong make it again, they'll probably be even an older Norm Smith medalist because they're not getting any younger at Geelong. So well, he's only the oldest for now. Um, um, I am going to cut in here and be devil's advocate. Whoa. I do not think that he was the best player. He kicked two junk goals. He kicked like, three. Well, he, yeah, but two of them were like the cheapest goals ever, like sweaty goals. Patrick Dangerfield had like X amount of clearances, still kicked two goals, had the most, uh, had almost the most amount of touches, the most contested possessions, the most clearances. He was in the coal face and he propelled the ball forward to do the damage. Isaac Smith just capitalized on being in the right place in the right time a couple of times. And yeah, like he's a deserving winner. Don't get me wrong. I just feel Patrick Dangerfield's impact on the game was a little bit more than his. I disagree. Smith was the best player on the ground. Danger did whatever he want because Sydney let him do whatever he want. Like there were no hard balls from that game because they just weren't even there, Sydney. They were just traffic cones. Um, there were a couple of good memes that came up in the AFL memes group, which is traffic cone was the best on ground. It, it Anyone could have won that game. The goals were cheap. Um, even Sydney got cheap goals at the end because Geelong were like celebrating and high-fiving everything. Yeah. The, you need a, Whatever happened in the first quarter, that's how you tell the, the Norm Smith should have been decided at quarter time. Anything after that was just fun. Um, I've got some other notes here, boys. I bet um, you do. Do you think Sydney just a bit too young this time around? Like they don't have the experience? I don't really know. I thought Sydney would, would be in for actually a fair chance. I read this one all wrong. Um, I don't you think they were as bad. Week, I did you? tip Sydney. I don't think they're as bad at all as um, they show. They won their last eight or nine games in a row. Geelong won 15 in a row. But um, they'd won enough games at the MCG. They beat Melbourne there. So they'd shown that they could win at the MCG. And they'd beaten Geelong this year as well. And so. they beat Geelong by about 30 points before they went on their roll. So They were the only team with multiple wins against Geelong in the entire AFL. Yeah, well, I, I'm honestly surprised the result turned out so lopsided. Um, if you played that grand final five times over, I think you'd probably get some different results in there, to be honest. But once Geelong came out and just walked all over them, it was, it was over. Sydney was just shell-shocked. Um, another note I have here is Danger stood up 
for his time to win a flag at his new club and Buddy fell over. Yep. Buddy did fall over. Oh, well, looking at Buddy's grand finals, he's played and he's stepped up in all of them. Um, it's pretty hard to be a key forward this day. Anyone that was a key forward for Sydney had a rough day at the office. There was nothing you could do. The ball wasn't coming out of the middle. The ball was not down their end. It was day to be a forward in Sydney or anyone at Sydney, really. You'll love the next point I just have here. Chad Warner is a fucking animal. Well, he did play pretty well considering his team was getting demolished. Um, 20, 29 touches, two goals, 10 tackles, 10 clearances, and a losing side where you got annihilated. That's crazy. You you were saying it uh, when we were at your house, Rick, that even in the last quarter with about five, six minutes to go, Sydney, obviously, it was well and truly over, but in the middle of the ground, Chad Warner was still going 100% battling for the team, even though you know you've lost, you know it's over, but he was still battling. I think it's a bit of a robbery that he didn't get at least one Norm Smith medal vote. Like, it was a landslide, but you take him away. He kicked a third of Sydney's goals alone, and he set up two of the other goals. So if he didn't play, what, Sydney would have kicked two goals for that game? Yeah, he deserves an acknowledgement, but when you lose by that much, there were enough players in Geelong who dominated Sydney. He was an outlier. Um, If I were him, I'd probably ask to be traded to Geelong, so then he could be part of... Uh, the winning team next year. Um, yeah, he was like the 23rd man running out there for Geelong, it felt like. He was on, on the wrong team that day. But uh, he's going to be a half-decent player, you could suspect, for his career. Might even get a cheeky Brownlow vote next year. Um, yeah, there's some good signs if you're a Chad Warner fan. Um, while we're on Chad Warner as well, one thing that was weird to watch is he played the best for Sydney, and he was visibly the most upset. Some of the Sydney players like didn't look that shocked. He was like crying, and Lance Franklin's like holding him in his arms. Like he's just so passionate as well. Like on top of he gave his all. They lost. Like he knew they were going to lose before half time, and he was still so emotionally invested in that game compared to some of the other players who just weren't interested from the start and just didn't give a shit on the outcome at the end. Well, yeah, so Lance Franklin. Is uh, obviously not going to be too upset. He's got a couple of premiership medals in his locker. Luke Parker and Sam Reid, these boys have a couple of premiership, or have a premiership medal in their locker. Um, they're not all going to be upset. Like, it's a tough game, but when you just get pumped, your emotions already, you've already had all your upset emotions about 10 minutes into the game when you realise it's all over. At that stage, it's just more of a processing and, uh, yeah, there's not much to say or do. Um, I've got here, um, so there's been a lot of talk about um, Jeremy Cameron, that he was required to win this flag. He was just an extra. He kicked two goals in the last quarter. Game was over when he kicked his goals. I Trust me, I know about this. I was very passionate. He was in all of my multis to kick multiple goals. And it and wasn't until... It wasn't until... No, he kicked the second goal with like a minute to go. Oh, true, yeah. But my point is he wasn't necessary for them to win this flag. He contributed for them to get there. Yes, he kicked a lot of goals this year, but they're talking about he was the missing piece for this team. He wasn't. On the big dance, he was one of the players that didn't really stand up or capitalise and kick a bag of goals considering how poor Sydney were. Interesting point. I would argue that they might not have even made the grand final if he did not play against Collingwood because he's the only reason Geelong beat Collingwood in that first final. So take him out. Who knows if we're talking about Geelong even being in the grand final because Collingwood would have won that qualifying and Geelong would have had to uh, win all three games to get in. So um, understated his impact. Without him, they don't win that first final. Um, I can't even remember what happened in the prelim, but I'm sure he was really good there too. Yeah, that's uh, a good point by you, actually. I agree. Yeah, so like you can't all... Sometimes you just go up there and you get a medal because you've done so much work. Um, ah. Yeah. Throughout the year, so he done his job uh, earlier, I think, and about time everyone else gave him a break. Um, did you see uh, Jeremy Cameron's cow on the farm that had his? Oh, I did. Medal? Did see that, and then he was chasing it, trying to get it back. <laughs> Have you seen the video, Craig? I've seen the video. <laughs> uh, well, when you put a medal on a cow, what do you expect? <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, but he's like, "Let the cow go, let it go, <laughs> boys. I'll find it later." What? That was. That is one of the best AFL-related videos I reckon I've ever seen. That is so good. I would be the same. I'd be like, well, it's not going anywhere. It's on the cow. Like, where's the cow going to go? It's in he, a paddock. He lives on a farm. How, yeah. How big's his paddock, man? He, this metal could have been anywhere on the ground. 
Yeah, but it's fine in the morning. Yeah. Like it's not going, the cow's it's not, not going, going anywhere. anywhere. Unless the cow eats it. Cows can eat probably eat a lot of things, so wouldn't surprise me. It'll shit it out eventually, so. Yeah, we just get another one made. Uh, yeah. Um, I got one more point. Um, okay. Good, because food's out the front, so finish your point. Geelong's Mad Monday outfits were epic. Absolutely loved it. Now, did you read the news today, did you? I read the news today, <laughs> and everyone's uh, some national national head of the board of some sort of seniors bloody thing has come out and said, oh, it was insensitive, and you need to think about the stereotype you're portraying. What a load of fucking bullshit. How good were the outfits? And we talked about it the other week, how- was it when the Bulldogs had their Mad Monday and no one was really dressed up and we were saying how that there was an article come out during that time about they wanted to tame it down a little bit. But is there what they've just won the flag. It's a Mad Monday, let loose, and every all of that was in good nature in my opinion, so everyone else can get stuffed. Very quick point. The Bulldogs needed to tame it down because old mate couldn't even fucking walk. <laughs> Number two, just letting people know we're no longer a PG podcast. We're going to let a little bit more loose. So, a little bit of a disclaimer. Hope you enjoy it. That's point, true. Point three, the old people, go fuck yourself. Seriously, it was a good outfit. Get fucked. It was good. Well, I agree. Mad Monday, when you don't drink any beers, some of them don't for like half the year. You'd try not drinking a beer for like six months of the year. You deserve to have a few on the Monday after your uh, working week finishes. So, let loose, boys. And they looks like they had a good job. Paddy D dressed up as a grandpa should go knock out. He's the head of the AFLPA. He should offer to charity fight the who you have is in charge of the old clique. I don't think that would go down very well. That would really cause an uproar. I'm pretty sure it was a nursing home van that took them there. Yeah, well, well, they so did. like clearly someone else didn't think it was in bad. No, it's so. always a small pocket of society. Oh, no. Like everything that oh, no. everyone's going to find something wrong with something just because they can. Um, yeah, that's a beat up if I've ever heard. Yeah, I know your food's here, but two quick. One, uh, two quick points just on Isaac Smith. So, obviously, one of Norm Smith. Um, I saw that someone, uh, this is on Facebook, one of the groups uh, about the Maltese come up. Someone chucked 50 bucks on the on him at $51 and they cashed out during the game at two uh, 2100 So, he lost 400 bucks, but guaranteed. So, they won two grand still. That's a so good bet. That's a good bet. I mean, going on the brown low votes and some shocking kind of um, outliers in there probably a good thing to cash out who knows but uh, and I was just looking at his stats here 771 metres gain that is huge that is a lot of football um, well what is that 50 metres the ground's 170 metres so they just kicked the ball up and down half a dozen times that's a uh, a fair effort by him he was everywhere deserving winner still going good shows you can still do good things at 34 years of age like don't write him off if you can run like a wingman at 34 like some of these contracts, these older players don't roll it off yet. They've still got some value in them. Is that you saying that you're going to come out and play for Smosh next year with us? Oh, I've heard this <laughs> shit going around. You can still play at 34. You just said it. I just don't want to be the best player every week, like in the team. Like when you guys are genuinely going out there to like have a hit out and I'm just rocking up every second week and win the best and fairest, like just without even training or anything. So I don't want to embarrass you. I might bring the water out for you to have a drink because you're old, you two, but um, we'll see next year if you can convince me. I wouldn't shut the door completely. It's like 90% shut, but... Well, Rick's got a mate that's keen and I've got three other blokes that are keen, so there could be a whole posse going out. We're going to make our own team. We're not here to take part. We're here to take over. Yeah, well, maybe we will just make our own club. We can find a patch of grass somewhere, put some goals in and just make our own club, the footy feast. Uh, footy feast of semaphore. I don't really know. We'll pick somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we'll wrap up this segment because Craig's getting a bit hangry. So um, we'll be back. Oh, I'm so fucking hangry. All right, so moving on for the grand final, we're going to go into five players to watch in 2023. So we've all picked five players. Uh, I've gone down a different route. I've gone fantasy wise, but the other two have gone. Players to watch in the AFL in 2023. Who have we got? Who wants to kick it off? Uh, I'm happy to uh, lead off with my five players to watch. Do you want to go five in a row or are we just going to go one each? Oh, we can go We can go one each, one each, one each. All right, we'll do it one each. Um, the first player I have on my list to watch is Elijah Hollins from the Gold Coast. Uh, I think he overtakes Matt Rowe in 2023. 
becoming an important midfielder next to Miller and Anderson. He was a pick seven, um, but he came off an ACL, so that many had him as pick one. Uh, he had some breakout games, well, his last five games of the year. Um, in particular, he had a game with about 23 touches, two goals, um, a dozen inside 50s, and a few clearances. He's your taller midfielder. I think he's just getting started, but it looks like he's got the tools to uh, overtake Matt Rauer. Bit better ball user, uh, more tricks in his bag. I think he explodes next year. Now he's had a bit of uh, continuity. Rick, who you got first? Well, I'll open up with the main boy, Matt Rau. then. So oh. little puppy fat Matt Rau. He's taken a little bit of time. He obviously had two bad injuries in a row. This will be his third proper season this year, boys. Third year breakout. Noah Anderson did it this year. Matt Rau's a year behind. He's going to come out. He's going to be an animal. He's already the third best contested player in the AFL. He's going to train with Gary Ablett in the offseason. He's going to lose some weight. He's going to get better on the outside. All he's got to do is add a couple of marks and a couple of outside possessions every game, and he's going to be an absolute superstar. All right, my first player for fantasy-wise next year um, is Liam Duggan from West Coast. He's 25 years old, has DPP back and center status. He averaged just shy of 100 points over the last nine games at the back end of the season. So um, had a little bit of a up and down kind of flow to the season, but the back nine was good at 100 points. Um, if uh, He's owned by 96 people in uh, ultimate footy leagues, so uh, he only averaged 86 for the season, but like I said, 100 in the last nine. So if you can pick him up, I think it'd be a good get for next year. Yeah, well, okay. In that case, I'm going to go to Jamara Hagen next. So he kicked a few bags of goals this year, five in one game. His hands have shown to be a lot stronger than I thought they were going to be. Um, he's athletic. He does still have some down gains, but he's young. But I see a big leap in year three for him. Um, and he will take some pressure off of uh, Aaron Norton up forward because they're trying to cry out for a... Uh, trying to cry out. They're crying out for a key forward, they say, next to Aaron Norton to take some pressure off. I think uh, he'll work much better next year with him having some uh, time together this year. I'm going to go with my sneaky improver, potentially for the Brownlow medal next year. I'm going to throw a few dollars on this player. Um, so Connor Rosie. So he this year he showed you that he's a good player. He's explosive. He's fast. He still kicks goals from as a midfielder. Really good player. God knows how Carl Amon got 15 votes this year. Connor Rosie played the first third of the season in the forward line. Next year, he's going to come out. He's going to be an animal. He's got another year behind him. And yeah, I just think he's going to improve to the pinnacle level. Like He's going to be a goal-kicking forward like your Christian Petrarca-style player next year, and he's going to be an absolute superstar. All right, my second player is Craig's mate, James Robum from Sydney. 22 years old, center status. He averaged 108 in his last five games on the back end of the season. He's owned by 94% of people. However, he's only started 80% of the teams. So he's sitting on 20% of players' uh, benches. So good one to pick up with the form in the back end of the season. Okay. I like James Robon. I tried to trade him out in fantasy many a times, but no one wanted. So now he's staying. Thank you, Peter. The third player on my list is Caleb Sarong. An amazing last month of the year. Some are pegging him to be a better leader than Brayshaw and maybe even better than Brayshaw. Um, he's just getting started. We saw him carrying the midfield while Brayshaw was getting... I mean, Brayshaw was getting a lot of heavy attention towards the end, so fair go to Brayshaw. But um, he found himself in the finals and he stepped up when everyone else um, was flailing. So I think big things for... Caleb Sarong, the former Rising Star winner. Yep, I've already got Caleb Sarong on my list, so all I'll add is, yep, he started off slow this year, really found himself at the end. He looks like he's going to be an absolute jet. Um, yeah, he's just going to look a lot better next year. Um, Brayshaw's still the better player right now, so we'll cop the tag if there's going to be a tag, which will just give um, the opportunity for him to let loose a little bit more. Bill said. All right, my third player is... He's already really popular, but Zach Butters, 22 years old, center forward status, averaged 108 in his last five games. He averaged 86 over the whole season. 
but 108 in the last five games and his percentage, uh, game time percentage didn't drop or increase. So he just hit form in that back, back end of the season. Um, but he is owned by 99% of people and started on 97% of teams. So be a tough one to get and you'd probably be paying premiums for him. Yeah. I like him as well. Um, I traded him out of my fantasy team, but oh well. Play the boo um, sound. Because I traded him Thanks, mate. Fair enough. Uh, the next player on my list is more of a uh, bit of a darker horse. Uh, Mitch Lewis from Hawthorne. He is a man mountain at 23. He's uh, ready to take the key forward world by storm. He was a bit injured this year, um, which took away from his season, but he still kicked 35 goals in, in a dozen games. Um, his hands are as strong as I've seen in the game. Like I'd have him as one of the best contested marks. You put him out in front, uh, he won't drop him, and he's an accurate kick. I see 50-plus goals next year and a Coleman Smokey for those um, interested in the Coleman medal betting, I guess, when it becomes available. Uh, my next one is a player who's had a bit of a bad attitude, and I think the bad attitude related to bad form. Um, Jason Horn Francis, obviously he had a catch-up meeting with Alistair Clarkson, obviously not in the job right now. Alistair Clarkson's obviously sold him something for him to elect to stay there. And I just feel like he's the type of coach who can bring the best out in him. And um, with a good coach um, and a better attitude, I think Jason Horn francis can really show why he was the number one pick in last year's draft. Beauty, all right. My fourth player is Ed Richards from Western Bulldogs, 23 years old, sold back status. He averaged... 78 for the season, but in his last five games, averaged 105. Um, he's only owned by or he's owned by 80, 88% of uh, teams and started in 83%. So, as a sole backman, averaging 105 in the last five games at the back end of the season could be a good get um, if he, especially if he's sitting on someone's list uh, with the 78 average. There, you might be able to pick him up for a good get. Checking he had not inflated numbers in our league because of spoils, did he? Potentially. Fair enough. But still, 90 average isn't bad. Um, the last person I have on my list is uh, no surprise to the AFL world, Luke Davies-Uniac. There's a bit of a man crush coming from Craig's corner on this kid. He has some Chris Judd explosion out of the packs and his clearance numbers are as high as Chris Judd. Um, in one game, he had 14 clearances and 12 inside 50s alone. Literally, that is unreal kind of numbers. Every time he got a clearance, it turned into a inside 50. Um, and again, like if North Melbourne get better, um, he is only going to get better again. So he's just on proving every year, and I see another jump next year into the top echelon of players in the competition. Dead at explosiveness, forward inside 50s, but you've got the wrong name. That's the Chad Warner. Chad Warner couldn't get 14 clearances and 12 inside 50s. He is a poor man's Luke Davies uniac. Chad Warner is going to be an animal next year. Um, I honestly think next year he's going to overtake and become Sydney's best number one midfielder. You spoke about James Robottom improving. Callum Mills is their best player. Luke Park is there. Luke Parker's going to get older. Chad Warner's position's going to get bigger. He's already showed he's a really good kick. He kicks goals himself. He had 10 clearances in a grand final where they got annihilated. He still lays tackles. He takes marks. He does it all. He's a player that's going to get better. He's only 20 years old. This kid's going to be an absolute jet. I think we should have a sneaky side bet on LDU versus Chad Warner. I'm not sure what uh, the measuring for success is, but we'll come up with some sort of measuring system on the next podcast to. Uh, Figure out who's going to have the better year. Well, I like my bets against you. You stole me a six-pack for saying you said Patrick Cripps was washed and uh, he won the Brownlow medal, so I yeah, like my odds. that was probably one of the worst calls of my entire life. I'll wear that one. Yep. Right, my last player is... So this player is still out of... Uh, hasn't been signed on again for a contract yet. He is from Carlton. Set of field, 24 years old, center status. He averaged... Uh, 70 for the season overall. However, in the last five games, averaged 90. Now, he could be one that would be good for some depth in your Keeper League team. Uh, in his last three games to finish off the season against uh, the big teams, so Brisbane got 20 disposals. That was with Cripps and Walsh getting 25 plus. 
Melbourne, he got 26 disposals with Cripps and Walsh getting 25 plus. And against Collingwood, he got 24 disposals and that was with Cripps getting 35 disposals. So he can still find the ball even with the big key players in the midfield. Um, and depending on what happens with him next year, uh, he could be a good get to pick up um, even as some depth in your team. He's only owned by 61% of people and he's on the free agent list in our keeper league. So um, I know what your guys' thoughts are on him, but I reckon I'd be happy to take a punt on him with the last form of his five games. All right. That's not a bad segment. I enjoyed that. Um, we'll have uh, five something else to watch next week. We'll come up with something else. We might uh, add this as a weekly segment because it's a bit of fun. All right. So... On to our weekly fake trades. So, Rick did a fake trade this week on our Instagram. Uh, Rick, you can take it away with this one. Yeah, Rick, take it away with this one. Do you need any more stalling time or have you got it up, ready to go? I'm ready to go, mate. You and he's talking about in. getting up the fake trade, not your penis. Both are up. Because ah, we talked about Chad Warner, not surprising. All right, first of all, I just want to... I just want to pump up my own tyres. I made that fake trade myself off my mobile phone, and it's almost as good as Channel 7's. I haven't even seen it, so uh, pitch it to me, and I'll tell you if it's any good or not. No, pitch it to me, and I'm coming in as an impartial viewer. Did you even do the illustrations yourself? Yeah, I made all of it myself. (laughs) I'm proud of myself. Some would say you might have a social media manager. I am the social media manager. (laughs) Um, On another note, also, fuck you, Channel 7. My trade is very close. So I got a 51% to 49% voting for this trade. So this trade is as close as you can get. So the fake trade was Western Bulldogs will receive Cam Rayner and a future second round pick. So they still have enough draft points this year, retaining all their first round picks to try to make it realistic. And in exchange, Brisbane will just get Josh Dunkley. What do you reckon? No deal. That's a shit trade. You're shit at trades. Um, don't quit your day job at Bunnings because you are no trade guru or list manager. That's heavily unfair for Fremantle. Um, <laughs> wait, this is, wait, what was the trade again? <laughs> no, it's good. That's a pretty solid trade. Both teams would be happy with that. Um, it gets them where they need to go. Don't um, be Sweden, though. Who, don't sit on the fence. Who do you think wins that trade? Yeah, there has to be someone does benefit more from it. Tell me again. Tell me again. Okay. So you've got Cam Rayner and a future second. So Brisbane can keep their first round draft picks because they've got to get Ashcroft. And then um, I stuffed it up. It's back Dunkley. to front. But that's what, what they trade. And then they receive Josh Dunkley. Yeah. I mean, Cam Rayner, I uh, still so unknown what he's going to be, but he was a number one pick. So on that alone, his value still sits somewhere in the first round. So you're giving up a first round pick in a second to get Dunkley, which is probably fair value. So um, who wins out of that? I still think Brisbane win because we know Josh Dunkley is a star and Cam Rayner is still on the fence. Yeah, Yeah, at this this time, Brisbane win that because they get Dunkley, you know what you're getting. But who knows what Cam Rayner could turn into, so... Yeah, I, I literally have it down to Cam Rayner has definitely showed he's an improved player this year. He's not an accumulator, but he does a lot of damage with the football and he can play as your Toby Green mid, mid-sized forward who can still kick bags of goals. But Josh Dunkley is already that player. So you're trading a potential Josh Dunkley for a known product. Um, I, I'm a big Cam Rayner fan though, so I think it is very 50-50 and Josh Dunkley is still the better bet. So. Yeah, I just it's, think it's very um, close. That uh, Rayner fits the Bulldogs better. They can replace Josh Dunkley with your Bailey Smiths, your Trelaw, still a gun, McRae. You've still got enough of the inside ball winners there that um, a, a strong forward, big body Dustin Martin type might be a bit of point of difference for them. So, yeah, not a bad trade. Yeah, Cam Rayner would be a better forward than Dunkley, but Josh Dunkley's a far better midfielder yeah, than Cam Rayner. Right now. So, like what you just said, it would be a very beneficial trade for both parties. Yeah, I think I so. I personally don't think Brisbane would do it. I think they've seen enough of Cam Rayner and they they want him there long term. Yeah, but I mean, if you're getting in someone who you know is going to produce versus someone who you don't know is going to produce every week, then that's what they're going for. They're trying to win right now. You can't take risks on players. If you can guarantee that for a solid you know what you're getting every week, then you do that. That's all Geelong was built on, solid 
Isaac Smith, you knew what you were getting from him at 34. Um, Jeremy Cameron, you knew what you were getting from Jeremy Cameron when you did it. They're just trading for known quantities. So that helps. All right, there was another mega trade on Trade Radio, which is a pretty crap trade, but we'll put it out there anyway. Richmond get Taranto and Hopper. GWS get pick 12, 19, and Soldo. That's a crap trade. Yeah, that's, that's no good. Every single outlet of radio or whatever is so biased towards ripping off non-Victorian teams in the benefit of Victorian teams. Yeah, well, Taranto and Hopper are almost worth four first-round picks and they've given one first-round pick, one start of second-round pick, and a Soldo. average <laughs> and a, ruckman. A very average Add ruckman. Add to their like- average ruck stops with Pruce, Flynn, Mumford, Soldo. Now, this is just a crap, and they're going to add Lloyd Meek. What are they just collecting crap ruckmen at GWS? Because this is unreal. That yeah, is they, even a trade. They have to offer a legitimate player. I think for the deal to get done, a player has to go back. Yeah, who? What's that defender that you have for Richmond who's in and out of the team? Defender? Plays everywhere. Butler, is it? No. Oh, Baker. Baker. Someone like Baker needs to be involved in a trade like that. He yep. doesn't get the opportunity he deserves at Richmond. He's going to get less opportunity now because he, he is a genuine back midfielder. Yep. If he goes back, he will have a legitimate career at GWS. Otherwise, he's just floating around. Patching holes, doing a Shane Edwards role. Yeah, Whereas if he went back, give them two first-round picks and him, they're probably still losing that trade, but they don't want a spud Ruckman when they've already got three Ruckman who they can't decide on now. Exactly. Yep, crap trade. And there's one monster trade I'm still trying to find, which was like a four-team trade. Um, I'll take over quickly while you're looking. Okay. So here's Channel 7's stinky trade for this week. So my trade was better, but we have... Um, Fremantle receive Lockie Hunter and pick 29, and the Western Bulldogs receive Roy Lobb and a fourth-round pick. I thought that trade was pretty fair. I think Rocky Hunter still has something to add. Um, call him Rocky Hunter. No, I s- did not. <laughs> he did. He definitely did. He definitely called him Rocky Hunter. I definitely Hunter. did not. Your mic must be... <laughs> your mic and your headphones must be wrong. Uh, it's going to be another Lucky Hunter. <laughs> okay, your mic must be, uh, your headphones must be a bit stuffed up today. That's right, I'll play it back we, later. We have audio proof. <laughs> the audio is very fuzzy today. It's a pretty crap setup, Peter. Just saying. Um, many people <laughs> misinterpret that your crap audio microphones. These are cheap Audi ones. Look, you can hear this shit. Can't even hear that crap. Anyway. Nice deflection. Good trade. <laughs> Fuck you. I didn't hear that back because if I did, I didn't even realize I said Rocky Hunter. All right, Rocky, get back to the trade. Yeah, let's go that's Rocky Hunter. A, not going to lie, that's a better name for him than Lockie, but- I'm not um, sure if you were saying Rocky or you had some weird list like Rocky. Like- I have no idea. <laughs> well, let's not get personal here. Okay. Uh, um, so continue, I thought Lockie that was a good Hunter. trade for Freeman after all that filler talk we had there. Um. Roy Lobb is, you could probably get a first rounder for him, but he's 29 and he has a shit haircut. So, um, Lucky Hunter's still 27. He adds a bit of value and you can stick him on a wing on a half forward line and he still gives you something. And pick 29 will just be part of the Luke Jackson trade anyway. So, that doesn't really matter. So, I'm quite happy with that both ways. Rick, you're not though. Why? Well, it's close enough, but I feel what Roy Lobb did this year. He's kicked 30 goals. Yep, who kicked goals at Fremantle other than him? Well, many players can kick 30 goals. Darcy Fogarty kicked 30 goals, and he was nobody until the middle of this year. Yeah, but Fremantle don't have anyone else. They have Matt Tabiner, who's, yeah. made, who's made out of wet toilet paper. He is the most injury-prone AFL player probably of all time. Rory Lobb has barely played a full season of games. He didn't even play a full season of games this year. They're literally the same player, so you're just moving him on for someone who actually kicked more goals in a season last year than Rory Lobb has ever in a season, including this year. But at least you've got two pieces of wet toilet paper and hopefully they're both not injured at once. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. So you're shipping one off and keeping one. And you're bringing in a mediocre wingman player. Well, he wasn't mediocre a few years ago. He was in the All-Australian 40, so that's not true. Lobb played uh, 19 games this year. 19 games. How many goals did he kick? I don't know, but Tabiner played 13 games. 
Yeah, they were talking about the year before. You have a look at that's what I'm saying. You can. Yeah, Tavener played like seven games the year before that, probably. Yeah, and he kicked more goals in those seven games than Lob <laughs> did in his 19. Yeah, my point is like a mediocre wingman isn't worth someone who can kick you 30 goals in the forward line. Yes, it is because Rory Lob probably won't kick 30 goals next year. He kicked 36 goals this year. Who? Rory Lob. Oh, fine. We get technical. We won't kick 36 goals again next year. Would you want? Would you want him at Collingwood? Another 36 goals? Nah. We already have enough of that. We have a guy that can do that. His name is Mason Big Cox in Delta Goodrum Cox. And he can kick, well, maybe not 36, but he apparently kicked three goals in a game against Richmond. So we signed him for five years at a million dollars because of that. So, But that's what I mean. Lockie Hunter would not get a game at Collingwood. Rory Lobb would. That's the difference of a mediocre wingman compared to a forward who can a kick A mediocre forward. Yeah, he is mediocre, but 36 <laughs> goals is better than Lockie Hunter racking up cheap kicks on the outside. So you mean get. Rocky Hunter? Yeah, oh, sorry, Rocky Hunter. Rocky Hunter Rocky. will easily get <laughs> 25 touches a game at Fremantle. Um, just on this, though, for people that do like fantasy, if Lockie Hunter does go to Fremantle with Blake Akers and some of their other debt players like Darcy Tucker and all that leaving, um, Connor Blakely getting delisted, There'd definitely be a spot there for him. Definitely someone to target in fantasy. Whether he transitions to a good player in real life, probably not. But the fantasy output will be there. Definitely. But on. All right. I found the mega, mega trade. This is the first one. There's a little bit to get through, so we'll try and make it as smooth as possible. Can you so quickly like send to, it in our group so we can say, see it? I did I'm put gonna... it in the group like the other day. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Mega. Tra- oh, here you go. Sorry. Found it? Breaking news, senior Essendon executives confirm that Adam Uze is going to coach Essendon 2023. Really? Adam Uze? What happened to yeah. Brad Scott? He obviously went to Brad Scott. Um, so he's going to he's gonna coach Essendon 2023 on a multi-million deal. Uh, sorry, multi-year deal worth $7 million. Who's this? Adam, Adam Uze, Uze coaching Essendon 2023 on a multi-year deal at $7 million. I haven't seen Adam Uze do anything. I know he coached under Clarkson, but... Right now, that doesn't look great. Um, yeah, I mean, they had to pick someone, but they thought they wanted an experienced coach, they said. So they failed in their search because they didn't get an experienced coach. So this is a failure. They didn't want to embarrass themselves and let James Hurd come back. So they had to take anything. There was no way you could take James Hurd back. There was no way he was coming back after his dismissal. But this is a failure. They said they want a coach who was experienced. He's an assistant coach that is experienced, but he's not an experienced coach. They failed in their search for a coach and they took the best alternative to their failure. Yeah, so this news has come out one hour ago. This is nothing against Adam Uze. Like, he'd probably be a really good coach, but when they. Not out- what they said. That's not what they said. They said, we want an experienced coach. We don't want a first time coach, which is what they had in Ben Rutten, who failed. And now they've gone out and got another first time coach. So they have failed. They failed on multiple fronts. Their club is a shambles. Did Essendon fail, though, because they're not as good as people think they are, or do you think they failed because they had poor coaching? No, they failed because they had poor coaching last year, and they failed because they're a mess off-field. They've lost their CEO, they manage the whoever's their footy boss, um, Josh Marnie, and their head of recruiting, Adrian Dodorio, are like butting heads, apparently. They've changed president. And they've come out and said they want an experienced coach and didn't get an experienced coach. They've failed on multiple fronts. Um, and you've hired now a coach without a CEO. So you don't know who's running the ship. Um, yeah, Adam Uze, I really hope you're a good coach because you're coming into a dysfunctional situation. Um, you're going to need to have a Craig McRae-like turnaround or Craig McRae-like year to turn that club around. You have to bring everyone together, which he may do a great job of, but he's not the experienced coach they said they were aiming for. Where do you think their list's at? Do you think they play finals or do you think they're just making up the numbers? Essendon don't play finals next year. They have a lot of good kids coming through, but their older players uh, are not that good and they're very inconsistent. Zach Merritt and Darcy Parrish, you know what you're getting out of them. Your players, your shields, your stringers, your... Peter Wright had a good year. I like Harrison Jones. Key backs are so far off the mark. You don't really have a key back because you're not playing Zach Reed, who should be your future key back. I I think that whatever their last 
team was in like round 23, their team in round one next year should look a lot different if they're going to be any kind of successful. Yeah, there's a lot of holes in that list right now. But oh, sorry, sorry to cut you off. Uh, go back to the mega trade. Mega trade. Woo! You didn't send it. I thought we already found it. Oh, no, I thought you did because Peter was like, ooh, um, while I'm sending it to the boys, it goes like this. Melbourne get Brody Grundy and a first round pick. Um, and they give up Luke Jackson. So Grundy in, first round pick from Fremantle, out Luke Jackson. Next we have... That's a footy feast. Next, we have Luke Jackson going to Fremantle. They give up their first round pick this year and a future first. So two first rounds for Luke Jackson. Uh, we always knew that was going to be the deal. Um, Collingwood are involved in this because they go up Brody Grundy. They get a first round pick from Geelong and they get a future first round pick from Fremantle. But they give up Brody Grundy to Melbourne and Oliver Henry to Geelong. Geelong get Oliver Henry, and they give up a first round to Collingwood. So piecing it all together, Melbourne lose Jackson, get Grundy and a first. Fremantle get Jackson, lose a couple of firsts. Collingwood get two firsts, lose two players in Grundy and Henry. And Geelong just get Oliver Henry, the kid, for a first round pick. So who wins, who loses, boys, as you look at it now, because I've given you enough time to look at it. Geelong are the clear loser. Oliver Henry yeah. is not worth the first round pick. No, he's not worth the first pick. Yep, fair. Um, is Who's paying Grundy's contract? That is also not in there, but it looks like in every scenario, Grundy gets Collingwood are paying 300 grand of his contract. So, yeah, you're getting one first rounder for Grundy and one for Henry, theoretically. Um, probably fair. At peak of his powers, Grundy was definitely worth what Luke Jackson's worth which is two first rounds, but probably worth one now and a bit of cash dump. Uh, Melbourne give up Luke Jackson and somehow, who's played three seasons and somehow get yeah, an All-Australian Ruckman and a first rounder. And a first rounder. That's, Melbourne that's are crazy. running to the bank with this deal if they're getting an All-Australian Ruckman uh, at 28 and a first round pick and only giving up Luke Jackson, who played one good grand final game. In, and had a crap 2022. Yeah, I think... Like, Melbourne I, are running away with this. Melbourne are the big winners. And then if anyone's paying overs again, I would say it's Fremantle because they are giving up two first-round picks. Yeah, they are, I think. Yeah. A lot of that's on form, and it's not like they're not having to pay this kid. This kid wants, I'm a pro, money now. Like, mm. they're not bringing him in on small money. He's coming in on a whopping contract, yep. and now they're paying two first-round picks for him. And yeah. Melbourne are getting grundy. At a reduced price as well, because Collingwood are going to be paying for him as yeah, well. Yeah, they're getting, getting a first round pick, so they're they're fucking really winning that. Melbourne trade. really win this one, and I think I mean on paper this probably looks like it would go through, but Melbourne nah, would be super there's happy. There's no way Geelong agree to this. I think you'll find Geelong do agree to this. Apparently, Henry Ola is, Henry is, was is like fairly tied a lot to Geelong pick for next 15, year. 16 in the draft, he was a first rounder. And yep. their first round pick now is about pick nineteen, so it's oh, really that's true. Actually. It's not worth anything really. It's a very late pick in the first round. Yeah. Well, it's the last pick of the first round. Exactly, so essentially, so. it's a second round pick. Yeah, yeah. well, that's exactly right. No, nah, no, nah, that's yeah. a good deal. Like, like I've spoke about Oliver Henry. He is going to be an absolute wicked player. Yeah, I don't want to lose him. Yeah, at um, all. Nah, actually, I agree. This deal probably goes through. Melbourne are the big winners, um, and Fremantle are probably the biggest losers, considering that Oliver Henry's going for yeah. Everyone pick. gets what they want, so that's why I like this deal. Um, the only thing is, though, I have also seen articles about Geelong, uh, Collingwood maybe trying to offload Grundy without paying his full contract because of how much interest he did gather. So it's not mentioned in here, but that would also affect if Melbourne were paying Grundy's full contract, you could probably say Collingwood are the big winners here because they're clearing all their cap space and they're getting two first-round picks. So... If they are clearing out all the money as well as getting those two first-round picks and Henry wants out anyway and Grundy kind of doesn't want to be there, it's a real good cash-out value for those two. I think it's a, yeah, it's a fairly decent, fair trade for everyone, but for somehow somehow there, Melbourne just take the cake with that, with that there. Yep. Uh, that's all the trades that I had uh, at the fake trades anyway. All right. Well, let's move on to some trade talk then. Um on the since we're on the kind of on the topic of Collingwood, 
Dugowie, is he gone or is he staying with him rejecting the contract with conditions? We talked about this in our own group chat yesterday. There's one word that sums this up, and it's ego. Jordan Dugowie has come out and proved he's a superstar player. He's going to get offered contracts from everywhere else without conditions, and he doesn't want to look like he's a kid. He's an adult. He can make his own decisions. If you want him, you take him as he is. And his ego, he will not sign a contract with Collingwood. If they have conditions on there, Collingwood are going to backpedal and drop him, and he'll sign for Collingwood. Now, I have contrary thoughts to, I don't know if you guys have read today about him rejecting the contract, and there's been some, I think the the AFL Players Union and a couple of presenters have basically said, good on to Goey, don't sign the contract with conditions, Um, you're an adult, blah, 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 blah. I think that's a load of bullshit. You're a professional athlete. What is wrong with the club wanting some a safety blanket given that he's – well, we're not going to go into it, but given what he's done in the past with his off-field activity and the attraction that he's got, I don't see a problem with putting conditions on, even if it's for the first season or whatnot. Like, grow a pair and man up. Like, you got to you – know, if you can't control yourself, then that's your own problem. Uh, disagree. It sets a precedent of this will happen more. Port aren't going to make Willie Rioli sign a condition contract. Bailey Smith's contract isn't going to be, well, he's already signed a new contract since what happened. His doesn't have conditions not saying do coke. Ben Cousins never had a contract saying don't do drugs. So I just feel like it sets a nasty precedent. The AFL Players Association, they will be sticking by it because they're probably thinking about themselves. Tyson Stengel, look at him. He turned his career around after having a, he got, kicked out the AFL for doing drugs with Brad Crouch, and then next minute he wins a premiership. His contract doesn't have conditions in it, and they took a punt on him gone from the SANFL. So if I was Jordan Degoy, I'd tell Collingwood, give me a contract tomorrow with no conditions or I'm going to leave. He has the position of power. He's one of Collingwood's best players, and he's made a mistake as an adult. If he thinks he can get on track, he's not a kid. They're not his dad, and he should really stick by this, I reckon. Just digressing very quickly when you mentioned Stengel. Did you guys see the article that I sent you that he got quotations randomly selected after the grand final to do a piss test and it held up the Geelong song? Yes, I did see yeah. that he got um, drug tested after the games. They had to wait to put the song on until his drug, retest- their drug results came back. Yep, yeah, do the crime, you do the time. But yeah, as a Collingwood fan, Craig, what do you think of Dugowie? Oh, Rick, there's a lot wrong with what you said. Jordan Dugowie has proven himself to be a flog off the field. Um, I say that as a Collingwood fan. On the field, he is a team player 100%. Um, He bleeds for the club and he's actually probably a really good guy. And he seems like he's a really genuine person most of the time. He just made a few mistakes. But he didn't make just one. He made multiple mistakes. And he made multiple mistakes within the space of 12 months. And the th- why you think it's really easy to compare Willie Rioli and Tyson Stengel without contract clauses to Jordan Ngoi, those two lovely people are getting paid peanuts. So you don't need contract clauses when you're only on 300 grand a year. When you're paying eight, nine hundred thousand dollars a year, you need fucking contract clauses because you know this guy with ADHD, is going to step out of line. All that Collingwood are doing are protecting a multi-million dollar investment, not the average salary that these two are playing are getting because they were delisted and no one wanted them. Well, Rioli wasn't, but no one wanted Stengel and he got picked up for peanuts um, because he had to reprove himself. If Jordan Ngoi got delisted and suddenly they came to the table and said, hold on, here's 800 grand but you have to actually behave like a decent person um, when you're not playing football, then he would jump at that contract. But he's coming in already on big money. Everyone knows he's a star. Tyson Stengel didn't have that star power or Rioli. They didn't have that bargaining power. They just took whatever contract's in front of him. So not the same in any way. But I think Bailey Smith then. Bailey Smith's big name, huge money. Contract's already signed. No, he was the face of Cotton on. He signed after. Pretty sure he signed after he got caught doing drugs. We're going to need to check your facts on that one. I'll let you research that with our- uh, oh, All right, either way then. He signed a two-year deal. You think in two years' time, they're going to say to Bailey Smith, oh, so we will sign you, but since you 
you stuffed up in the past, no, he's you're got, going to have to have conditions. He's got two years to fix it if he wants his big money deal next time. If he comes up and does coke again when his next deal's coming up, I can assure you he ain't getting the big money and he's not getting a contract without clauses in it. And that's also Bailey Smith's first infringement too. DeGoey's had several yeah, off-field incidents. Yeah, he was drink driving also before that many years ago. I remember playing fetch with his dog when he broke his hand. He's had several off-field incidents. So it's not he as can if get it's his money. Incident. No one is saying that he's not going to get paid. He's going to get all of his money. Just don't be a flog off the field. Just be like, act like every other decent human being in society and and don't do dumb stuff. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people that do dumb stuff. I'm sorry. I'm what, what, he, what he did would have yep. happened at Red Square in Adelaide 35 times in yep. the last month. Yep. But he is an AFL footballer on eight hundred grand a year. If you or me are there, would have been, there would have been a surgeon there who grabbed a chick on the tit. He's on a million dollars a year. Money doesn't come into a factor. The yeah, public, it does. The public image does to an extent. If you wear your Bunnings outfit and you go feel up some girl and get that filmed on social media, I can guarantee you won't have a job come Monday. Yeah, that's fine. But yeah, he, but that's, that's the same that's deal. The same, he didn't have exactly the same. He didn't have a Collingwood jersey on. No. But he's a Collingwood person. So that's the exact same thing. If your employer sees that, you don't have a job. The fact exactly. he still has a job is because he is an AFL footballer. If he was an AFL footballer, he wouldn't have a job, I can guarantee you. Yeah, any other private sector, you'd be calling yeah. terminated employment. It's just not the it's right a, image to portray. Image. It's a bad fit. And to assault someone as well, you just can't You can't do these things. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, the only other point that I want to make is the other – Part of it is how do you think this makes Jordan Dugowie feel showing the club clearly doesn't have faith in him? Because that could be the other thing. Like I'm telling you right now, if I went for a meeting with the big wigs and they said, oh, we know you're a really good player. We know you've stuffed up and we want you to sign this contract with conditions. Automatically, you are going to be on the back foot because that club is saying point blank to your face, we don't trust you. Yeah, but he's put himself in that position. Yeah, we don't trust him. He's got to have expected that there's going to be that conversation because of what he's done. It's not as if it's coming out of the blue. He He's put himself in that position by his own actions. No, you'd ask me now, do I trust Jordan Ngoi to not stuff up again? 100%, I do not trust him to not stuff up again for the next five years. Yep, but he goes and has a meeting with a St. Kilda official or someone else, and they yep. say, we know you've stuffed up. We have faith in you. We'll help you to get better so it doesn't happen again. What sells better to Jordan Dugowie? We've already been helping him get better. He goes to regular council meetings. We've done so much stuff for him, community service. We've tried to push him in the right direction. It is up to him now to not stuff up. If Here's he doesn't stuff up, you. he gets his money. That's it. Here's a question for you then. Would you rather sign a contract at Collingwood for 850 with a clause or sign a contract with Stinky Saints for 900 with no clause. Yeah, you're Jordan to go. You want to go to Stinky Saints? Or say even 950 with no clause. You Why can play the fuck in front of 15,000 people like every week. No one cares who you are anymore. Go to Stinky Saints. Jack Steele who? The thing I've never is, heard of him. We're talking about St. Kilda. But if he gets an offer from a, a better suited club like a Richmond or someone else, you'd take it. You'd leave. I, I just don't see another big name club in the premiership or finals window that is going to take a punt with no clause for big money. Oh, I think any other team will give him a contract without a way. Because well, obviously St. Kilda are the only ones in the race apparently now. They don't have any interest in him because he's a flight risk. Well, then, yeah, he has to sign. I, don't, I, I personally don't think he does because it, it doesn't set a nice precedent for other players either. Um, obviously, he's stuffed up multiple times and he's showed that he can be a bad egg. But at the same time, um, do I can't really think of other sports that have clauses surrounding personal things rather than injury and performance-based things. Make, well, it, make it a performance-based clause of you need to meet X amount of games rather than if you do something stupid, you're out. Because if he does something stupid, he's going to get suspended anyway. So maybe you could reword it, rejig the contract, so it's not as personally attacking Jordan Dugowie's character, and then you might get a bit, a bit of a better result in getting him to actually sign it. But why hide what the clause is designed for in the first place? Well, I don't know how deep we're going to go into this situation. The AFLPA have come out and said, don't sign it. You can't do that to him. Yeah. So I don't think 
Collingwood are going to have to change their contract by the sounds of it or not offer him a contract. As for other sports, if you fuck up in the NBA or NFL, they just terminate you. Like MLB, they just terminate you full they stop. Don't, they don't need the they clause because they just get rid of you. They just get rid of you and give you to another team. Like They're like, well, we have a million other people that can play baseball or basketball. We'll just terminate you and you can go on someone else's list or you can um, go somewhere else for no money. Like he... All the other big American sports just just say it's not worth our time. We'll just find someone else who can play, um, even if we're crap for a couple of years. Like we'll just find someone else who can do it properly. Yeah, um, Colling- Collingwood aren't going to drop to goalie like that. Though. Well, it, well, Australian I sports are very differently and are very different. Unfortunately, we don't have the resources and the player pool um, and talent base to be able to do something like that. But um, if he was a an American footballer or when you know. They would just be like, well, you sign for this or we'll just terminate you. Like, we don't care. We'll find someone else. Next man up. Um, yeah, all right. Here's an example, though. So Jordan DeGoe is arguably your best player. Uh, I would say he's our best player, yes. You think Michael Jordan grabbed someone's tit, Chicago Bulls terminate his contract? Yep. No. Yeah. If if Dennis Dennis Rodman probably grabbed titties and they didn't terminate him and he's not even their best player. Well, that was the 80s, a very different time. <laughs> a very different time. LeBron James could probably punch a copper in America and the Lakers wouldn't sack him. They would find a way to manipulate it. Imagine how much money they would lose if LeBron James left the Lakers. They You're pay- also looking at a whole different ballpark. That is and a pay very bracket. good point you make, Rick. No, because, Except Jordan, no, because Jordan LeBron James is the LeBron. Is not a flog, and he wouldn't do that. <laughs> so you can't compare him okay. to that because okay. he's not a flog. Pick someone who's a flog, and then I'll tell you. Okay, John Bones Jones, hit and run a female chick, does coke, went back to his car and grabbed his money and his coke, punched DC at a press conference, cancelled a UFC event from refusing to fight. Absolute bell end. Still in the UFC, they'll still let him fight. Okay, very good point you make again. UFC is an octagon where people punch each other in the face <laughs> repeatedly. He's literally just doing what he does inside the ring, outside the ring. So that is the loosest sport ever. There's no structure in that. You just get paid if you attract lots of people to your fight. But- I reckon I didn't realize this uh, this topic would go on for so long. I reckon we should get back to the trade talk. I don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> we're talking about trade talk. What even are we talking about? Conor McGregor threw a dolly at the bus. (laughs) This has been fun. I actually enjoyed this debate. It was a good debate. All right, so moving on, I've got a a fair few points here, but we haven't talked about all of them. But uh, Zorko re-signed on for another year. Uh, Craig, your mate, Shoal, has been linked to Carlton. Yep, well, he's not getting a game at the Crows, so why not? Why is every player in every window forever always linked to Carlton? They just want Uh, all these B-grade midfielders forever. I just feel like it's a revolving door of B-grade midfielders. That's why I think the Gold Coast is exactly the same. And St. Kilda are the epitome of B-grade players, and that's why they sit in the middle of the thing. Everyone's linked to Carlton. James Rowe linked to the Bulldogs. Yep. Uh, They're replacing him with Rankin. No, that's good. I reckon to the Western Bulldogs. Yeah, he's a good fit there. Yep. Jack Graham linked to coming back to SA. Yeah, that's. I've seen heavy talks of Port Adelaide, not the Crows. Yeah, I've I've seen that as well. Uh, B-grade player. Yeah. Apple, Apple apparently staying put for 2023 after those other talks. Yeah, that's no, nah, that's bad. He should have left. They treated him like shit. He's, they did treat him like shit. He's a long-serving captain there. They treat him like shit. He should have left. And more what he money. did with that little Oz kicker was amazing. Yeah, more money, like coaching opportunities afterwards. No, nah, they fucked him. He should have left. Uh, Angus Brayshaw's re-signed on. He's staying at Melbourne. What, another eight-year deal? Oh, fucking, I don't know what he's... But, uh, there was a lot of talk for him going, but he's now staying. Brennan Cox contracted until 2024, but Red Sign today, the possible move to SA. No, SA, Adelaide Crows and Port want him, but they're not going to get him. He's not, Freeman ain't going to let him go. They will let Lob go, but they're not going to let him go. Yeah, I think he'll fit in at Port. <laughs> I don't know what that'll do for my fantasy, but he's been playing good at free for fantasy-wise. Uh, Jeremy Sharp to WA is what I read. Yeah, I think Freeman are into him and uh, he gets there. Um, Fiorini contracted until 2024 obviously no longer the first choice for Gold Coast engine room but uh, Collingwood is potentially what I saw this trade period for Collingwood is a whole another subject where we don't have half an hour to go on 
but McStay, B grader, Fiorini, B grader, Todd Mitchell, former A grader, now B grader, Bobby Hill, he's only played like 30 games ever and kicked about 20 Frampton. goals. B grader, Frampton, C grader. B grader. Are you guys becoming the I new we're Gold Coast? We might be the stinky pies because, <laughs> or the bloody food poisoning pies because we are supposed to get better, not average in the off-season, but that's what's happening. I, I agree with everything you've said, but out of all those players, I do think that one of them, given more opportunity and a run-with role, he'd fit in at Collingwood. I think Fiorini, Fiorini is a player who could turn his career around. Like, you look at Tom Mitchell. He was stuck in the bloody Swans reserves for all these years. They got unleashed um, and won a Brownlow medal. Fiorini is, like, the most dominant player in VFL. Like, you look, he'll have, like, fucking 50 touches, 14 tackles, kick three goals. Like, I feel Gold Coast don't – they'll put him in the team, but they're playing Noah Anderson, Matt Rowe. Like, they've got all these big chips that they've acquired over time, and they just don't feel like Fiorini's worth sacrificing their development. But at another club that will give him a good run, I think Fiorini could be a good one. I don't know. There's something clearly wrong with Fiorini because he's not getting in. If he's getting 36 touches, 12 tackles, and three goals a week, Can't he's starting in all mid. 18 teams and probably the best midfielder. There's something going on at the Gold Coast. There's something wrong with him if they don't want him. All right. Uh, I was going to bring this up when we're talking about the grand final, but Selwood, does he play on? Yes. Yeah, I think. I think if they just coasted to a win against Sydney, he'd retire. But the fact that they absolutely put them through a meat grinder, there's no way that he doesn't go on again and try to win another flag. Yep, in agreement with that. Uh, we talked about Ollie Henry going to Geelong, but also Tanner Bruin apparently linked with Geelong. Yep, they need another first rounder for him, but he'll get there somehow. Uh, Amon's officially nominated the Hawks. Yep, Port want a first round compensation pick for him as well, apparently. They're going to request that. Yep. Uh, so, Craig, you mentioned before Tom Mitchell. Uh, Stephen Silvani came out and said that he is only worth a second rounder now. He's probably worth a third. Pay a second rounder for him? No, I would pay a third for him because he's owed 800 grand and he. Real, like- realistically, do you think that Tom Mitchell is a little bit better of a version of Matt Crouch? He's a lot better version he's, of Matt Crouch. I'd take Tom Mitchell over Matt Crouch. Yeah, he is. They're very similar, though. Like a lot of possessions, not damaging. Yeah, Mitchell's definitely more damaging than Matt Crouch is. Agreed. And he kicks goals and Matt. Yeah, I think he's got Matt Crouch covered, definitely. Matt Crouch can't kick a football straight. I'd be surprised if anyone picks up Matt Crouch. Crows will have to keep him out of default. There's rumours that he might go to Port. Well, there was because Dunkley they didn't get. But does he start in Port's team? Does he start ahead of Wines? Does he start ahead of Boke? Does he start ahead of Butters? Does he start ahead of Rosie? Like, is his depth. His depth. I don't know what team. I don't even think he would start at North Melbourne anymore. Oh. Luke Davies, Uniac, Jai Simpkin, Jason Horn, Francis. Yeah, he'd probably be struggling to start. Jed Anderson is better than him. Yeah, Taron well, Thomas is going to get midfield time. Yeah, he I agree. Get, he doesn't get a run at North Melbourne. Oh, I don't. Maybe West Coast. <laughs> West Coast, he, he'd be able to get a game in there for sure. Uh, Melbourne, I read today, have shut down trade talk around Cozzy Pickett. Boo. Can you play your boo sound again, please? No, I can't because I'm not in the app. Um, just on there, I did have a note here saying they have showed a lot of interest in Liam Henry. So I was wondering, are they looking for a small forward to replace Cosy Pickett if he were to leave? But obviously, yeah, I also seen the same articles, which really hurt me that Cosy Pickett won't be coming to Port. Uh, Georgiatis linked to West Coast. Not fake news. Georgiatis already come down, stop that down today. I see yep, an article. Future third gets that done. Roger, disregard that one. Uh, we just spoke about North Melbourne, but Zerha, Goldstein, Bailey Scott, JHF, all remaining at the Ruse next year. Uh, Hunter Clark, we spoke about him. Nah, but apparently he's going to North, second round. Yeah, he, he wants Too to go injured. North. Hasn't shown enough. I have a thing here saying West Coast are no longer engaging in any discussions for Luke Jackson. Yeah, well, because they, 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 they will not trade pick two. They won't trade pick two. Yeah, well, that's fair enough. Well, I didn't know that no, was a thing. Like Did you know no. that was a thing? Yeah, that yeah, came I mean, out four we, days ago. I mean, ago. we knew that Fremantle were going to get him, but yeah, but West Coast, Eagles were giving out pick two, but apparently West Coast had just said flat also, out not talking about it anymore. Also, just on that, Sean Darcy's Instagram had a good old selfie of him and Luke Jackson on the weekend smiling together as well. So, Did it? Oh, well, 
Yeah, I mean, that's the, probably the worst kept secret, but officially, West Coast is not talking anymore. Uh, my last one here is with the Suns looking to get rid of some salary cap space for Raul Anderson is, you said it in the chat before, I think, Craig, Jack Bowes, two years of left on his contract, but potentially going to Geelong is what I read today. Anyone that can get in pick seven should be getting in pick seven. I can name a dozen teams that should do this deal. Um, Jack Bowes is actually a pretty good player in the fact that his skills are solid. Um, and he's definitely no burden to any team at 24 years old. The fact you get pick seven in is unreal. That's a Matthias Filippo potentially in your team and a Jack Bowes um, for a combined salary of like a million dollars. I mean, that's not bad effort. Yeah, any any opportunity to get a top 10 pick in for free, take it. If you can squeeze Jack Bowes in, A, he's a good player, and B, you get pick seven. All right, here's my next Fake trade. I'll post oh. that up in the podcast. This is this off the cuff? Oh, yeah. off the cuff no, fake trade. Okay. I was thinking about it today. So, ready? Get this. So, it's between Gold Coast and the Crows. So, you already want Isaac Rankin and you're giving up pick five for him. So, now you take Jack Bowes and pick seven. So, essentially, you trade pick five for pick seven and you get Isaac Rankin and Jack Bowes. Surely, surely, the Adelaide Crows have cap space to absorb it. I know there was an article coming out today that said that they're going to front-end load Isaac Rankin's contract, but if you can delay that in order to slide back two picks in the draft, and as Craig said, Jack Bowes is a good player, um, and then bring in Isaac Rankin as well, that is an absolute bargain and a half of a trade. A bit of Instagram content recording now. Um, all right, let's wrap up the trade talk this you week. You didn't say anything about my trade. <laughs> You're the Crows <laughs> man. <laughs> Mate, I like it today. It's, it's five to eight. We've got to call Jay Schultz. He's delayed 15 minutes. Oh, well, that's okay, good. Okay, so time. back to your trade. I like your trade. I think Crows get it done if that's the case because they're getting um, – oh, Gold Coast are getting pick seven back or pick five back for yeah. pick seven and both. Salary cap and dump. By, by everything that I've heard, Crows have heaps of salary cap space anyway, so – um, I like it. Uh, trade radio is back this week. The draft official, uh, sorry, the trade window officially opens on Monday the third. So we'll have plenty more of trade talk for you next week.